so special and I'll be speaking on the topic the spirit of uh, gratitude the spirit of gratitude the spirit of uh, gratitude James chapter 3 verse 14 to 16 I will read from NIV version but if you have a bitter envy selfish ambition in your hearts do not boast about it or deny the truth such wisdom does not come down from heaven but is earthly unspiritual I will add my own unscriptural demonic praise God for where you have envy and selfish ambition there you find disorder and every evil practice the spirit of gratitude do you sometimes wish your name was elon musk or bill gates now unwind think in your dream in your wish close your eyes behave as if you are elon musk or bill gates how will you behave what do you think? How will you live your life? What kind of cars you will drive? What choice of house you will live in? How many staffs will you have? Thousands? You know, how many dresses and wardrobes of costumes you will have in your house? Uh, you know, staffs and everything. Famous, highly respected by people, the prime minister, presidents of the nations, they open doors to you. Then suddenly you wake up to reality. <laughs> then you are back. Then you comes to your mind, I need to pay my bills. That's a dream. <laughs> Mortgage is here piling up. <laughs> Request from family. Is spending. Do you know it's so easy to envy? It's so easy to envy the rich, the powerful. We don't envy the poor. Nobody will envy the poor. Mm -mm. But I want to change your mindset this morning. And I want you to understand that when you envy, it's not scriptural. It's not godly as well. The story of Joseph in Genesis 37, verse 4 to 10. Let, let's read. The Bible tells us in the book of Genesis 37, verse 4 to 10. I will read. It says, when his brothers saw that their father loved him, more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream and when he told his brother, they hated him all the more. And he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding ships and blah, 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 blah. Now in verse 8, his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream. And what he had said. Then he had another dream. Then in verse 10, when he told his father as well as his brother, his father rebuked him and said, 
what is this dream you had? Will your mother and myself and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. In verse 11 in King James, the Bible says, Then his brothers did what? Envied him. So, they envied Joseph, they sold him into slavery, simply because of his gifts. Every time you envy people, the thought that comes to your mind is this. You wish you could be the one sharing that testimony. You wish you could be the one driving that car. You begin to question your thoughts. Why them? And why not me? I'm more qualified. I'm more educated. You begin to sense some signs of discomfort. You know, your mind and your spirit is not settled around them. And people are celebrating them, their achievement. But in your mind and your thought, why only these people? And why not me? And you start to condemn instead of celebrating their achievement and their success. That's the spirit of envy. You have this entitlement spirit. Even when you don't deserve the position, you feel you are entitled to it. The spirit of envy. You know, success and achievement of others is a trust to you. You don't even celebrate others and people's achievements. That is the spirit of envy. Just like the brethren of uh, Joseph did. Now, let me tell you what will happen when you harbor envy, that spirit. The spirit of envy forces you to take your focus away from your own path. Now you begin to look onto others and you begin to think that you deserve to have what they have and you digress away from your gifts and your talents and you focus on them. Your heart is hardened like the brethren of Joseph and you will develop hatreds and bitterness because you want to have what they have. And sometimes you lose sight of the value of what you have, even your gift, because you want to have what those people have. That's the spirit of envy. Now, what exactly is gratitude to be grateful? Gratitude is the ability to show thanks for things you already have and things you are waiting for. The ability to show thanks for the things you already have, you have now, and the things you are waiting for. Have you noticed that we don't give thanks for the things we are waiting for? We only thank God for the things we have seen that we have. And that is why we envy others. We envy because we don't look inward to what we have, the gifts, the talents, the grace that you carry than others. And yet you look out onto others and you envy them. Some years back, when I was still working, and uh, a friend of mine, we were going into the hospital, and a car came in, 
and we, the car was ahead. Very beautiful car, a new car. And my friend said, Pastor, ah, the Bible says we should convert good things. I convert that car, that car. He said, ah, Pastor, that car I converted. And I was saying, it's a good car. But can you afford it? He said, ah, God will bless me with that kind of car. And lo and behold, as we were about to park, and we parked and we waited. And we were waiting for the driver to come down from the car. It took the driver 45 minutes. She came out, brought her wheelchair, assembled the wheelchair for almost 20 minutes, sat on the wheelchair, closed the door, closed the boot. Then I looked at my friend. Do you still convert that car? He said, no, Pastor, God forbid. I said, look, before you convert, that is envy. Envy. <laughs> Praise God. You see, until when we learn to appreciate what we have, we will not look at what we don't have. Because what we have is greater than what we don't have. What you don't see is greater than what is visible. The visible gifts that God has bestowed on you is greater than these physical things that you see. Envy. I tell you this story then. We just pray. That was a story. You must have heard this story before. A man was driving and a car parked beside him and he said, oh, wow, my, mind! that's a Jaguar car. X-Class Jaguar. That's a good car. Latest range. And he said, God, where will you do my own? I love that kind of car. And he was complaining. Now, immediately he came down from his car. He saw a man without a shoe. And he looked at the man. So look at this wretched man. And he went away. And the man looked at himself without a shoe. And he looked at the man that came down from the car and said, God, when are you going to give me a car like this man? As the man without the shoe was going, a man on the wheelchair came. And the man without the shoe looked at himself. He said, even though I don't have a shoe, but I still have two legs. Man is still better than that one. God, I thank you. He went away. The man on the wheelchair, the second day, was going on the road. And he saw a procession of people coming towards him. And he asked them, what is that? He said, oh, they are burying somebody. He said, he said my friend died last week. He said, my good friend. He said, oh. And as the people were going, and he stood there, then he looked at himself on the wheelchair. He looked at the wheelchair. Ah, he said, God, no more complaint. My friend died last week, and they are going to bury at, at least by his grace. I am what? Every one of us seated here, you have one thing to thank God for. Do you know? That 
You are a prayer point to somebody. You look at yourself in the mirror and you said, I'm not beautiful. Oh, I don't even have a good dress to wear to church. And that shabby dress, that, that bad old dress you have been wearing, somebody in the church is saying, God, one day I'm going to be able to dress like this sister. And for us, husband, your wife is too short. My wife is not fair enough. If she's too short, she's not your wife. If she's too tall, it's not meant for you. If she's too darker than what she is, she's not meant for you. God has given you a perfect gift. A perfect gift. Let us celebrate Jesus for that. You have one thing to thank God for. You are a living testimony of God's goodness and mercy. You are a prayer point of success to somebody or some people around you, despite your complaint. Your dislike in your body, your family. Some people desire color. Some people will tell you your nose is not pointed enough. Some will tell you a man does not have a six-pack. If that man has a six-pack, you will marry him. God so much structure him to be the best that you will marry. Hallelujah. The spirit of gratitude. You are unique and created by God. You are special to God. You are wonderful and beautifully made by God. There is no other replica of your image. You are the original. There is no carbon copy of you. You carry the spirit and the image of the living God. You are the best. You are gifted. You are talented. Please be grateful for what you have. Where you are. Be grateful for what will happen after. Hallelujah. Because God is set to do something new. If only you can be grateful. Stand up on your feet. The spirit of gratitude. The spirit of gratitude. The spirit of gratitude. The spirit of gratitude. I want you to give thanks to God in your own way now. Just thank Him. Don't thank Him for what you have received. I want you to thank God in advance. Thank Him in advance. Chapter 27. We'll read from verse 5 25. And then we will run through to 54. Are we all there? If you are there, say amen. amen. All right, Matthew 27, verse 35. And when they had crucified him, I'm reading from the NIV version. They divided up his clothes by casting lots, And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by holding sword at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple 
and build it in three days. Save yourself now. Come down from the cross if you are truly the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the features of law and the elders mocked him. He saved others. They said, but he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross. And we will believe him truly. He trusts in God. Let his God now rescue him. Now, he wants him for his said. He used to say, I am the son of God. And in the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insult on him. Verse 45, from noon until there in the afternoon darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there had this, they said, he's calling on God of Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with vinegar, put it on his staff. And offered it to Jesus to drink. And the rest said, Now let us leave him alone. Let us see if Elijah comes to save him. Verse 50. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up the spirit, he gave up the ghost. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn into two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. Hallelujah. The bodies of many holy people who died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who are guiding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that happened, they were terrified and exclaimed and surprised. Surely, surely, surely he was the son of God. May the Lord bless his word. In your hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen. Easter is a remarkable and unforgettable encounter. The memorable story of the life and events and death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. It is an undisputable event because Jesus himself predicted his death and resurrection while he was alive. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 to 23, and Mark chapter 9, verse 30 to 32, and Luke chapter 18, verse 31 to 34, Matthew 16, verse 21 to 23, Jesus predicted his death. He told them that this temple you are seeing is going to be pulled down. And after three days, it's going to be built again. Matthew 16, 
verse 21 to 23. Lolade is not there. All right. Even in Isaiah, the old prophets also predicted the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, from verse 4 to 12. When you read Isaiah 53, verse 4, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Verse 5 and 6. Then he said, Isaiah said in verse 5 and 6, But he was wounded for our transgression. That is Isaiah now, the Old Testament. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was what? Upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. If you read from that end to verse 12, the prophet Isaiah was talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ his life, his death, and his resurrection. What Jesus was coming to do had already been predicted. It has been prophesied. So, even if you don't believe that our Lord Jesus came and died and rose up, it has already been prophesied even before we were born. So, even if you don't believe, it, just, it doesn't change the facts and the truth that our Lord Jesus has risen from the dead. Hallelujah. Amen. So I need to let you know that the death of Jesus was intentional. He died for our sins. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He chose to die. Nobody forced him. The Bible says, For he made him, him who knew no sin to be seen for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Somebody that was righteous, somebody that was God, choose to make himself a sin for the world so that he can take your sin and save us from this sinful environment. So he chose to die because of his love. It was intentional. Jesus came also to reconcile man back to God. In the book of Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3, we all know the story. How man, Adam, God created, fell from grace and glory. The plan and intention of God and heaven for man was man to live till eternity. Death was not the plan of God for man. Suffering and sin and shame, lack, barrenness was never the intention of God. It wasn't intention because God is such a loving God, a merciful God. But unfortunately, because they disobey and God plays a curse in Genesis chapter 3. He plays a curse on man. He plays a curse on the woman. And then he plays a curse on serpent. Oh, my God. Immediately after that curse, the two sons that Adam and Eve had killed each other. Death came. So God looked and said, I can't afford to destroy the work of my hand. What do I do? I need someone to go into the world, to go and save the world, because they have sinned. Now, for the world to be saved, for God to have mercy, the blood must be shed. Now, before Jesus came, usual practice in the Old Testament 
is that whenever somebody commits any sin or sacrilege against God, they will buy a lamb and bring that lamb to the priest. And the priest will stand before the temple of God and slaughter that ram and that lamb. The understanding is that the man that has committed that sin, his sin has been transferred upon that lamb. So the lamb represents the sin of that man. And so once that blood is shed, the assumption, the belief is that God himself has seen the blood and he will have mercy on that man. Question, how many lambs do you think each and every one of us will shed every day when we commit sin? If not for the death of Jesus. So Jesus came to reconcile. Second Corinthians 5.18 to bring us back to our position. Now all things are of God. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us was the ministry of reconciliation. So the death of Jesus connected us back to the position where we used to be. We lost it. It was Jesus that brought us back to that place of glory, reconciliation. Jesus chose to die on the cross to put an end to suffering of mankind. First Peter chapter 4, verse 13. First Peter chapter 4, verse 13. The Bible says, But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with what? Exceeding joy. The place of cross is where humanity meets with divinity. The place of cross is no cross if there is no pain, if there is no shedding of the blood. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. The cross is no cross if there is no shame or agony. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 6. The cross is no cross if there is no scar and sacrifice. Sacrifice. Isaiah 53 Verse 5. Quickly, what are the benefits of the cross? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. In Christ's blood, in his blood, when he shed his blood, we receive life. Somebody say life. life. Say it again, say life. life. Jesus established a new covenant through his blood. And he intercedes on our behalf to give us access to the Father. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Benefits of the cross. Number one, we obtain forgiveness through the shedding of his blood. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. The Bible says, all are sin and have come short of what? The glory of God. But in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, somebody paid the price of my sin, of your sin. Somebody paid the price of all your iniquities, of your shortcomings and your mistakes. Somebody paid the price of your carelessness. Somebody paid the price of your hurt. Somebody paid the price of your hatred. Somebody paid the price of forgiveness. Can I just say this to you? If an individual has paid the price of forgiveness on behalf of yourself and your God, why will you not forgive your brother? 
Husband, why will you not forgive your wife? Wife, why will you not forgive your husband? Why will you not forgive that brother? You didn't pay for it. Somebody paid the price of forgiveness. It's free. Freely you are giving. Give freely. So benefits of the cross. Forgiveness. Also, on the cross, we receive redemption. After forgiveness, we are cleansed by the blood and redeemed from power of darkness. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 and 2 Corinthians 5 17. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. The Bible says, in him we have, in him we are redeemed by the blood. We are redeemed. And that's why we are redeemed. How many redeemers are here? Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about the redeemed Christian church of God. <laughs> Amen. We are redeemed. We are called from darkness to marvelous light. We all know what we used to do when we were in the world. Many of you here, you know how you used to waste money on the hand of that Juju and Fuji musician. You know how you used to take dark bottles of beer and alcohol. You used to know how many cigarette, packets of cigarettes that you used to smoke every day. You are smiling. <laughs> Amen. But glory be to God, sir. We are redeemed. Share a testimony with my children. When I was a bachelor, so young, we drink, we drank to the extent that they tested my blood. They found alcohol in my blood. I don't get drunk. We don't get drunk. But today, if you bring a smell of alcohol beside me, I can pass out. <laughs> Simply because I am what? Redeemed. I'm reading. Hallelujah. Let's clap for Jesus. Hallelujah. Number three, the benefit of the cross. Glory. He brought glory. Jesus carried our shame on the cross and brought unspeakable glory. Tell somebody, I carry glory. I carry Say glory. it as if you mean it. Say, I carry glory. I carry Say it again. Say, I carry a glory. glory. Tell the devil, I carry the glory. Hallelujah. Death of Jesus Christ, one of his benefits also is it gives us access to the throne of God. Jesus' death gave us free access to reconcile us with the Holy Father in heaven. We are made priests. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. Now we can come boldly to the holies of the holies. So therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood. Of Jesus. Who can permit you? Who will allow you to come to the holies of holies? If not for the precious blood. And that is why each time we commit sins or any kind of mistakes, we go before the blood and say, Lord, just look at the blood. I plead the blood. Give me access to this place. Give me access to your presence by the blood. Not by your works. Not by your works. Not by your entitlement or experience. It's only by the blood of Jesus that you can have access to the holy of the holies. Number five, 
The benefit of the cross. Curse, shame, were turned into blessings. By the death of Jesus on the cross, our pain, our curses, sicknesses, troubles were exchanged by his death. And we are set free from every curse. I pray today that every curse and every sickness and shame that the enemy has placed upon you after this today by the blood of Jesus, you are set free from that curse in the name of Jesus. If it is an inherited curse from your parents or your background today because of the shedding of the blood, that curse is cancelled in Jesus' name. Amen. Every curse of barrenness, every curse of lack, every curse of failure, every curse of failure by the blood and the name of Jesus is cancelled in the name of Jesus. Amen. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. Jesus came to cancel that curse. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us on the, on the cross. Curse is the, everyone who was hung on the tree. Jesus was hung on the tree. He became a curse. So every time you look unto Jesus, Hebrews chapter 12, it says looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So your curse is broken. Nobody under my voice is permitted to remain under any curse anymore. In the name of Jesus. You are set free in Jesus' name. Number six, the death of Jesus on the cross brought us peace. Our peace was restored. In our hearts, even though our environment is full of trouble, the cross is our assurance that our tomorrow will be well. Your tomorrow will be well in Jesus' name. I said your tomorrow will be well. Say to yourself, my tomorrow will be well. Say three times, my tomorrow will be well. Say, my tomorrow will be well. It shall be well in the name of Jesus. Colossians chapter 1 verse 20. Peace. We experience peace, we enjoy peace. And by him to reconcile us things to himself by himself. Whether things on earth or things in heaven. Having made peace through what? The blood on the cross. He is our prince of peace. It doesn't matter what you are going through now. It doesn't matter what will come your way later. The prince of peace is in control. Now, you cannot declare peace if there is no war. So what you are going through now is not new to God. You can't bring in the prince of peace if the atmosphere is peaceful. Are you listening to me? So because you are going through turbulence and you don't really understand what you are going through, can I assure you and pray for you that the Prince of Peace has already taken care of your tomorrow. So there is nothing to fear. Hallelujah. Finally, the death of Jesus on the cross brought us eternity. He gave us eternity. Hallelujah. I'm excited about this. He paid for it on his cross on the, on, by his death. Jesus conquered death and devil. Look up. Listen to this. If you take Mr. Double D out of the world, we will all live fine. Take death. Take the devil. What do you need to pray for? The sickness is caused by the devil. 
The trouble, the war, is caused by the devil. And when trouble comes, when sickness comes, sometimes it leads to death. Listen, every one of us here is afraid of death. When you hear death, what comes into your mind? Who? You are scared. But let me just tell you. Can I just share this secret with you? Death is like a horse that we all are going to ride. Are you listening to me? Except if rapture happens. That is when nobody will die. But you will live long. Amen. I will live long. Amen. So the issue of death is settled. Don't be afraid of death. Jesus died. And the Bible said he went to grave. He went to hell. And took the keys of death and hell. He said, hold death. Where is thy sting? Said, oh grave. Where is thy power? It doesn't matter for how long that I stay on this earth. I'm going to stay long. But I'm excited to where I'm going. Because there is eternity. I will live there forever and ever. I'm excited. Don't be afraid of death. Let that settle your mind. Listen, when you are not afraid of death, you will not die prematurely. Amen. The people that are afraid die quickly. Not sickness that kills them. The fear of death. Hebrews 9, 15, 16. 1 Corinthians 15, let's read that place. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54 to 55. The Bible says, so when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on what? Immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that it is written. That is what? Swallowed up in victory. Verse 55. It says, oh death, where is what? Your standing. Oh hate, where is your victory? Hallelujah. You will make it to heaven. I will make it to heaven. In the name of Jesus. Let me just conclude by saying this. Jesus cannot die twice. But listen. Whoever that commits sins. Whoever that refused to accept Jesus into his life as his personal Lord and Savior, all you are doing is you are nailing him to the cross again. And that will not happen. It will not happen. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 6. We must focus on the second coming. Rapture is imminent, beloved. UK may be peaceful. Europe may look so lovely. There is food. There is comfort. But if you have a glimpse of heaven, you will hate where you are. You will definitely want to curse this environment. Now, what are you doing in this dirty, stinking, wretched environment? Stinking. Peace, you have to pay bills. You pay mortgage. You even pay for what you don't use. Compost really. You go on excess speed. 35 instead of 30. They give you tickets. 
Knowing and unknowingly, you commit any, you will pay for it. In this world, where is the peace? What are we enjoying? What are we enjoying? You walk nine to five. How many food do you enjoy? How many food do you eat daily? How many clothes and dress do you put on? Let's ask ourselves that question. Sir, where we are is temporary. The world is not our home. This is a temporary place. We are just passing through this world. Our place where we are heading to is intact. A place where the roads and the place and the highways are painted with gold and silver. Where you will have your mansion, I will have my mansion. In that place, there is no darkness. In that place, there is no sickness. In that place, there is no pain. In that place, we don't get married. Thank God, Mommy P, we will see ourselves. But she will not be my wife. But she will be my candidate. She will occupy her own mansion. I will have my own mansion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But for now, we are still married. So, I say, Lord, my wife. God, you know, I'm preaching, no? Let somebody shout, Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, my God. Let us continue to preach the gospel as well to save others and sinners. That's why we are here. From imminent disaster. Romans, Romans chapter 10, verse 13 to 14. Let's make sure we spread the gospel. For whoever that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And guess what? We also as believers must also strive and continue to work out our salvation. So that we don't become irrelevant in the kingdom. 1 John 3, 9. 1 John 3, 9. So that you don't become irrelevant in the kingdom of God. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For the seed remain what? In him. And he cannot sin because he has been what? Born of God. You are born of God. You are not born of man. You may be a light on. You may be a haga. You may be a John. You may be a anything. But those are your biological parents. You are now part of God's family. You have the grace of God. You have the spirit of God. You have the anointing of God in you. So you cannot afford not to be part of that kingdom. You must strive. Take your salvation so seriously. Guide it with jealousy. Make sure that you don't lose it. Whatever that wants to compete with God in your life, discard it. Anything that wants to represent God in your heart, pray it out. Anything that wants to be an idol in your life, please cast it out. God will never share his glory with any man. You are a seed of God. You are born from heaven. You have a purpose. You are here for a reason. And you must feel, fulfill that purpose. And you can only fulfill that purpose in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Amen. You will fulfill purpose. Amen. Stand up on your feet.